follows the free kick. Colaccini nearly got ahead on it. Tiote, great strike! Oh! It's an absolutely fantastic goal! He bounces on the crossbar and it's to the net! Would you believe it? Divo Carigi! Balotelli, Aguero! The Martin Download back once again. Prem Roundup this week. Adam Baker, Luca Maloney, Ian Gilmore. Usual cast and crew. Welcome back once again, boys. It's uh we got a whirlwind to recap. It's been quite the quite the past few weeks um in the, the football world. Lots of whack scores. Uh I just got off the edge of my seat from watching Scotland play Israel to a nil-nil draw for 120 minutes and then advance in a shootout, but hey. One step closer to a major tournament that we haven't been in since 1998. I'll take it. How are you guys feeling? What were you watching today? International stuff. Any takeaways, Adam? Uh, well, the bigger the bigger games for me yesterday were yesterday, but disappointing stuff. Seeing my Erling Holland and Martin Odegaard duo fail to make the Euro Cup, but okay. I tuned into tuned into Scotland for penalties, so at least they got the dub. Luca. All right, and same like Adam, yesterday was my day to watch international football. Uh, Italy hammered 6-0 Macedonia. And I watched a bit of Spain-Portugal, which was a really good nil-nil. You know, I, I would give a solid. They kept me up there. Wasn't the the 3-3 from, from the World Cup a couple of years ago. But uh, speaking of high-scoring games, let's get right into it. Adam, your boys. I don't, I don't really know how it happened. And I, the whole time I was watching it, I just – every time Aston Villa scored, I, I was just like, what is happening right now? But Aston Villa beating the, the world-beating champion 7-2. to two. Liverpool falls in a five-goal loss, tying their biggest in Premier League history. What happened? All right, so there's a lot of takeaways to go from this game. Uh First of all, I think everyone knows that right side of the Liverpool defense is the weak point of the squad, and either four or the f- four or five of the seven goals came from Joe Gomez and Trent's side, and then the other two or three were from set pieces. So I think it's about when everyone's healthy and Thiago's back for the midfield. I really think Fabinho needs to be the permanent center back with Van Dijk. I don't think Joe how Gomez. Do you is- just, how do you justify the seven-two though? It was very impressive. I mean, I. It started off with the Adrian to Joe Gomez, and then from there it was just downhill. Oh, no, it was god-awful, but my uh, Aston Villa very slight allegiance kind of enjoyed watching Jack Grealish run the show and get all the plotters for really putting in the performance of the season. I think it'll end as a performance of the season against the best team in the league. I got to say, like, Liverpool losing to Watford 3-0 last year hurt me. I didn't mind this at all just because of who did it. If there was any other team in the Prem, it would have sucked to watch. But Aston Villa getting that, I, I, I like where they're going this season. I love, again, seeing what Jack Grealish is doing, somehow turning Ross Barkley into Ricardo Kaká, John McGinn looking like one of the best sixes in the league. It's Everything's going. I, I, I could enjoy it. It was a lot to take away. Luca, did this to you look like a fluke, or is this something that is legitimate with Liverpool now that – Again, obviously, we're not going to probably see another 7-2 from them this season. But is this – are there legit cracks in that team? I mean, there's uh, in cracks. Villa, in, in Villa, absolutely, there's some cracks in that team. Um, but with Liverpool, I mean, I think it was just a fluke, honestly. I think they picked a bad day to play football. And, I mean, 
you uh, after the game you just saw no a little reaction from Jurgen Klopp which tells you you know he's not going to be too flustered he's not going to lose sleep over this game so you're just going to have to figure out that Liverpool are going to get back up and play the next game which is going to be tough for them we we saw Adam how good Thiago was in his first game but um I think we're kind of overlooking the fact that no Mane in that game because he had coronavirus is do you think do you think that had a big impact on what they were able to do going forward? Two goals against the Villa side is not great. It's it's not like they're um, they don't have a, a crafty defense. Only two goals conceded so far this season. But uh, is Sadio Mane that big of a piece in this Liverpool side that like maybe that's the reason it was so bad? Uh, he could have helped a lot in the first half. Obviously, with like the, his, just having more creativity. Even though I do like Jota coming in as the new back option for when he's out but as for like Liverpool losing as a whole I just think it was again the right side was where they were getting exposed that's Mane helps Robertson on the left so I feel like defensively the the effect wasn't because of him I just think Liverpool went down and kept chasing the game like they could come back in a game that they were down 5-2 and they just kept getting hit on the counter-attack and Villa just they found their formula to break the high line and did it perfectly every time We'll, uh, we'll get to Villa in a little bit and talk about if they are the real deal. But uh, let, let's move on to uh, Luca, your Spurs side. 6-1 against United was, was just about as surprising uh, as the Liverpool game that came right after it. United's biggest loss uh, and tied biggest loss in the Premier League. That, it was just, again, like you couldn't believe what you were watching. It was just goal after goal and it didn't stop. Just yeah, and the surprising part was that this was not the highlight of the weekend. You know, it was <laughs> Liverpool and Villa, which was the high end. But uh, I watched the game, and it was awesome. Tottenham played great. But even with or without the red card from Anthony Martial, I, I think United were just slow. It was completely pathetic the way they played. And I felt sorry for the way United played because I don't think any of those players in United's 11 and 13 that, and the rest that came on from the bench really wanted to play. And Jose Mourinho and Tottenham, I don't think they take anything less. You know, and I don't even I don't even know that they thought that they could walk away with a six one. But it was very tough to watch if you're in a United fan. Hundred percent. Uh Adam obviously not a United fan, but this, so I think this is it begs the question even more with United. Is there legitimate problems with this side, especially along that back line? Harry Maguire is not turning out to be the 80 million pound signing we thought he was. Do, do changes need to happen right now with this United team if they want to try to challenge the top four this season? Well, I guess changes have to happen last week with the, getting a new center back in because I think it's been exposed that Maguire can't be the better of the two center backs. I think he needs to be the 1B and you need to get a real star. I don't want to say a real star. You got to get a better center back in there with him. And Maguire's flukes just don't even make sense. Like, on that first goal, when he was holding down Luke Shaw and didn't let him clear the ball. Like, that's not a mistake. That's just, like, a complete brain-dead moment. That's poor positional awareness. Yeah, and why are you tackling your teammate? I don't know. It was defending 101 in that situation. Yeah, oh, and then he had, like, the two headers right before that anyways. But, no, there's... Yeah, Maguire is a huge flaw, liability. Our uh, resident Man U fan, Julian Mitchell, will let you know that. Uh, Shaw, they just got Tellez, so maybe he'll – left back should get should, should get solved. As for the midfield, I don't know. Matic might be the worst holding mid of the big six. 
Pogba's inconsistent and lazy, even though I won't question his talent. He's still, like, should be United's best player. Bruno's overrated to me. The front three just hasn't came out of quarantine. Martial and Rashford were firing. Rashford got injured right before the hiatus. It's like he hasn't came back fully. Martial's out for a while. Greenwood's just not a winger in 18, so he's going to be He's going to have his ups and downs. I'm not going to hold that against him. But I think, uh, and I said it in the group for for Manu, if they manage not to make it out of their Champions League group stage, I think that's when you got to pull the plug on Ole and really uh, take this team in a different direction. Um, Luca, obviously it was bad on the defensive side, but one goal, not great either. And they haven't necessarily been great going forward this season. Lots of goals, I think probably close to half their goals have been from penalties in the, in the league. Um, do you think Edson Cavani coming in will make a big difference there? What, what do you expect from him? I don't know. You know, I'm going to say Edison Cavani is going to be another Radamel Falcao situation. I don't think he's going to be quite the Zlatan Ibrahimovic impact that he had on United. Um, we don't know the shape that Edison Cavani is coming in. He had offers to play abroad. He's had offers to play in South America and other places in Europe. And I don't know. And I think if you re- resort to um, a Cavani who may or may not be at the top of his game as your best transfer this season, I don't think it's good. I think United failed on the tra- in the transfer window. They didn't get their top. They didn't get their top targets, and I don't know what happened in their front office this summer. Ed Woodward, <laughs> Ed Woodward is what happened. <laughs> nothing, nothing really happened. Is that nothing? Um, not not spending money, at least in the way they wanted. No Jaden Sancho, having to settle for maybe not even their backups. I think that's a big problem for a big six team going forward, and so. So the question is, um, that I'll ask you, Adam, is, is Ole the guy you pull the plug on, or is it a higher-up like Ed Woodward? Oh, well, the higher-ups are, higher are definitely a bigger issue, but I think it's just if you're talking about realistic change, I guess I haven't, like, fully – I don't know the whole structure of removing, like, the Glazers and Woodward, because obviously they, they didn't do anything right this summer. But I guess – the main reason I'm so quick to pull the plug on Ole is that Poch is still a, a free agent manager, and he, he's expressed interest in either the Man U, the United job or the Madrid job. The Madrid job's not opening up the United one. Again, if you can upgrade from Ole to Pochettino, I just think you have to. Along those lines, Luca, obviously it's, it's a good team. Man United on paper is a good team. I'd, I'd kill to have a team like that. Absolutely. Um, but maybe they didn't go out and get necessarily their number one target. So – do you still, do you still have to hold only to that standard of this is a good team we're giving you you need to work with this or do you say you know maybe he's not getting all the guys he wants let's cut him a little slack. No, I mean you're the Manchester United manager. Jose Mourinho had the same problem. He wasn't given the players that he wanted, and this is the point. If you're going to be Manchester United manager, you have to go in and tell Ed Woodward these are the players I want. If you can't get these, well here's the backups, and these guys should be in this team. And I think with uh, the amount of money Manchester United make, um, given what happened this season, you know, with a little bit of loss in revenue, there's no reason why they can't go out and buy also players who fit their system. You know, instead of making these ridiculous transfers that may or may not fit the team. Okay. Uh, moving on. Leicester, an interesting case so far this season. They go out and beat City five, what five two, and then the next week come back and lose to West Ham 3-0. Um, 
they're sitting third in the table right now, but what what do we expect from this Leicester side? I I it's it that those two results back to back are so interesting. Um, it, it's almost like what do you make of them? Um, Luke, we'll start with you. What how how do you beat City by three goals and then lose to West Ham by three goals the next week? And what what's a realistic expectation for Leicester this season? Okay, so with Leicester against Manchester City, if you watch that game, Manchester City were just completely poor. And Manchester City continued to be poor against Leeds United that, that they played next. So you could give them the win against Man City on paper. It, it may not be that way, but with the way they played against Man City, yeah, they deserve to win. Against West Ham, I, I don't know what happened. They completely fell apart. They were picked out, and I don't understand what happened. And Leicester, again, for this season, I expect them to be competing. Um, I'd say around, i say top seven should be a realistic expectation for them. I think they have the players to do it. And if they can find consistency, I think they could do it. And we're only four games into the season, and it's a small pool of results to pull from. But would you, would you agree with that? Top seven? For Leicester? Yeah. Uh, no, I said... Back in the uh, our original season preview, I put them around like 10th, 9th, and I think I'm going to stick with that. I think against City, they're able to catch them on the counterattack and it's kind of a bunch of defensive mistakes got less to three penalties in that game. But it's like these kind of games or not having Ndidi, who's out for, I think it was 8 to 12 weeks, is going to show more. And they won't, they shouldn't be losing games like that throughout the season. But I think the Everton's, the bit, the Everton's will finish above them of the, the league. I think Villa might too, and all the big six. Perfect and segue. Like right into Everton. Uh, they're they're sitting top of the table right now, sitting pretty. Uh, four wins from four games, twelve points. Uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin is scoring like like he doesn't even have the business to right now. Scored uh, for England on his debut today. He just can't stop. Everton, they look like the real deal. Are they the real deal, you think, Adam? Yeah, for sure. It's okay. Will they win the league? I can't definitively say that. But, like, Carlo Ancelotti is a top three manager in the Prem to me. James Rodriguez in Carlo Ancelotti's system, that's one of the best players in the Prem. Having him feeding Richarlison and Calvert Lewin, they're due for career years. And he has a solid defensive midfield behind him to really just get the best out of everyone. They're good at fullback. And I can see them really, really pushing for Champions League. And then who knows if it keeps it. I guess they have the Merseyside Derby after break. So that'll decide if I'm saying they're Champions League contender or sleeper title contender. Right. They've, the, the toughest team they've played so far is, is Spurs, who have been a little inconsistent to start of the season. Luca, do you think they have a legit shot at top four? Because I think that would, that would be something that maybe people have said is out of their reach at the start of the season. But now – they might be different. I think they really do. They have they made uh, smart transfers that fit the system that on, that Ancelotti wanted, and you see that happening. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, that movement in between both of them is unbelievable. And they made transfers in the midfield that are good, that are solid. And then yes, we're always going to have questions of Jordan Pickford, but Ancelotti's not gonna, <laughs> Ancelotti's not going to be too picky. I think he he likes the players that he has. And when Ancelotti has that, I think he's going to make a legitimate shot 
to aim high in this league. Um, real quick, rapid fire, Luca, then Adam. Does Calvert Lewin win the Golden Boot this year? I say no. I think somebody else is going to show up sooner or later. I think it's too early to tell. Adam? Probably not, but if he starts taking pens and Thomas has a fully healthy season, then I wouldn't put it past him. But I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, second place. Maybe more of a surprise than everything being in first right now is Aston Villa in third. With a game less played than the teams around him. Um, three wins from three games. Only two goals against. They beat the defending champions. Is this a team? Well, first, first of all, this, this is a team that was – they really stayed up last year because of a mistake of the goal line decision system. Then we come in here, we're three games in, three wins for them, more than they had in probably their last, I don't know, 10 games in the Premier League last, last season. Is this a team now that can we say they're going to finish top half? And can we say maybe they'll go even farther and challenge for a Europa League spot? Luca? It's too early to tell, I believe, to say that they're going to go for a Europa League spot. But definitely they do have the talent. Remember, they are still tied with Liverpool, who are fifth in points. So in terms of points, uh, it's tough to say. But Villa do play good football. And I think we have to respect that. And I think a top half finish in the table is definitely possible. Adam, massive Grealish guy, is he going to – him staying, him signing that long-term contract, do you think that's something that can push them up to challenge for Europe? For sure. I mean, I think they'll be the Sheffield United of this season, but with actual creativity going forward. Yeah. Probably a little worse on defense. But – and then, I don't know, getting Ali Watkins in to get a real scoring figure in there. Ross Barkley on Aston Villa is going to be a lot better than Ross Barkley on Chelsea. Martinez is – apparently one of the best goalies in the world ever since Leno got that injury against Brighton. So I, I, I would, I'm confident they can finish top half. Again, Europa, there's not a lot of room for error with the big six and the teams that follow. So that's a, it's a lot to ask. But I think they can, they can definitely get to 10th, 9th. But so this Villa team, it's not, like, it's not like a lot has changed. Grealish stayed. Martinez, yes, he's a good goalkeeper, but he doesn't make a team that finished – 17th, a team that finishes top half, I don't think. I don't think Ollie Watkins does that either. So what is, what's different this year? What have you seen that's different in these first three games that just wasn't there last season? Adam? So, I mean, John McGinn had a pretty long – I don't know exactly how long, but he was out for a while last season, and they were noticeably worse without him. And, I mean, Ollie Watkins, again, if you asked me a week ago, I wouldn't have said he's going to be a big difference maker, but he just scored a hat-trick against Liverpool. And Ross Barkley, just someone for – it gives Grealish two players to play with on, like, his wavelength. His – Barkley's not as good as him, but of similar creativity that he can link up with. And you just saw how Grealish could have had three assists alone to Ross Barkley, let alone the, the rest of them that he had. So I think that duo is going to turn out to be a great one throughout. And, and John McGinn feeding them from behind. And Ollie Watkins, he'll, he'll get his goals this season. I, I don't know what number because – Again, I don't know if three against Liverpool is just going to be an anomaly, if I can expect like a 15-goal season out of them. Luca, there, ha there hasn't been – it almost seems like there's, there's a difference in uh, their, their mentality this season. The attitude is different. It's a positive one instead of a, a negative one that we've seen in past years with Villa. So is, is that the, the players that have come in? Is it the Ross Barkley that can be a focal point in this team as opposed to what he was with Chelsea? 
or is it just it's we're safe let's let's go for the Premier League this this season no I absolutely agree I think that Ross Barkley he comes into a team where they can give him more responsibilities they're saying hey you know come into this team here are the players you're playing with and you know do what you can and he's getting time to do it which is the nice part for Ross Barkley who we've seen his career develop throughout the years with Everton and Chelsea and now on loan at Villa I think it's going to be important for them you know I do think they have better quality players than most bottom half teams in the Premier League so with that saying I think they can make a legitimate push to more than stay alive really start competing a little bit more and gearing up for a tough season. Uh, we talked about Leicester already. They're in third place. To round out the top four, it's Arsenal above Liverpool in goal difference. Um, three wins and one loss from four games so far and the one loss against Liverpool. What, what do we think um, a realistic expectation is for them? Now that Aubameyang has signed the contract extension, um, they still do look a little bit shaky in the back, but with Leno back, that, that's massive for them. Is, is top four um, – it is an expectation, but do you think that is a if, – if they don't get top four, is, is it like Arteta out? What do we think the mentality is there, Adam? Okay, definitely not Arteta out if they don't get top four. But I give them a shot because I think Arteta is a better coach than Lampard and Ole. I think Aubameyang's going to get his goals. Tomas on the last day was the – out of nowhere was a great signing. It looked yep. like that was dead in the water for like a month, and that would be them going for Hasamawa. But – Again, I don't know if I can if I can boldly say they'll finish top four. But I, I definitely think with the competition, it wouldn't be a failure of a season if they were to finish like fifth or sixth because I still think their team is worse on paper than some of the other ones in the league. But I think this is the arsenal we'll be seeing throughout the season. It's not a fluke to begin. Luca? Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of good signs. Arsenal, like I agree with you, and paid some big money for a big player. And you have to remember, too, they're in the Europa League. I think they're going to push for the Europa League if they see the Premier League way too tough to get that Champions League spot. And I think they're in a very good position to have a good season. Um, going down the table a little bit, we'll talk about my Magpies real quick. Newcastle, uh, an interesting start to the season. It hasn't, it hasn't been, uh, you know, crazy positive. It hasn't been um world beating negative sitting in ninth two wins a draw and a loss although the loss was ugly ugly against Brighton and some of the cup games they've played have been a little bit frustrating to watch but somehow they're into the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup um all right in the league this this is an interesting Newcastle team this year I think because it's been a while since we've had an out and out striker I think the closest we've had to that in in a bit was Hosselu and I think what 2017 or 18 um I'm interested to hear from you guys what you think of this Newcastle team this year uh, and, and what my realistic expectations um, should be for them from an outside perspective. Luca. No, I agree with you. I think they have a really good set of players. And you look at them roster, you know, roster, roster, and you compare the players in with the other players in the big, um, in the Premier League. You have a good set. You got Allentown Maximum. Uh, you have DeAndre Yadlin still there, Miguel Almiron, Callum Wilson. You have legit players who I think are going to deliver for this club who honestly deserve it. Adam, the next game is against United, who is not in good form. How, what do you think 
what are you, what kind of test is that? Is that a, uh, if, if we get pounded three nil, should we think about relegation? Is it, um, because United is a, is a dark or, you know, an unknown at this moment. So what do you, what do you think that test um, kind of say about Newcastle? I feel like when a, a, when a team like Newcastle plays a big six side, it's kind of a free pass. If you lose, it's not a bad result. If you win, it's a great result. If you can't expose like any of United, even in a loss, if you can't expose any of United's defensive frailties, then I guess there'd be some concerns. You're definitely not going to believe your relegation candidates because you lost to United. But I definitely think it's a good opportunity to see if the offense is legit. Again, like you said, they have, they have a legit striker. ASM is still there. Seeing what you guys can do against a team that's been shaky. We saw just what ASM can do uh, against Burnley when he when he's on form and when he's scoring. Um, right now, would you say August 1st next year he's still at St. James's, Adam? Yes, because Premier League clubs just have a way of keeping their talent. Zaha is never going to leave Palace. Grealish ended up signing an extension. I guess Declan Rice stayed at West Ham. Like these Prem, and I don't not to sound as an insult. These Premier League clubs that have that one staple player, they do everything they can to hold on, and I think they just it always inspires teams to look elsewhere for their signings. Luca, what do you think? I think ASM would have to have like unreal numbers this season for a team to pull the trigger and pay big money for him. And and Adam's right, you know, players are more reluctant to to leave, especially to other Premier League clubs, because ASM's well liked in Newcastle. You know, it's no question. So when you have that fan base, you have that good relationship with the club and the coach. I think it's easy for you to stay, and I expect him to stay next season. I think it will be a little bit – if he does put up good numbers, it'll be a struggle to keep him if we miss out on Europe. Um, uh, so to preview um, when football – when Premier League football comes back next weekend, the biggest one of the weekend, uh, Merseyside Derby, Everton-Liverpool, probably one of the biggest we've seen in a little while now that Everton might just be legit. Adam, what are you, what are you looking for from Liverpool in that one, and, and what are you expecting? So it's going to depend if Mane and Thiago can recover from COVID in time for the game. I don't know what their current statuses are. But, I mean, and it's bad to say from Liverpool's perspective, I am excited to see how Hamas plays against Liverpool and just how this Everton offense operates against a team that's going to press them. And it has, even though it didn't look like it against Villa, formidable midfield and defense. But I just think for Liverpool, you got to, not get beaten behind, especially in between Gomez and Trent. Which, I don't know, with Hamas playing it in, that's something Everton could easily expose. So I think that's the thing Everton at Liverpool need to watch. And it'll just be interesting to see if they keep the, if they at all adjust the high line or if they consider it a fluke and not adjust on something that's worked for them for two years. Luca? I think there's no question that Liverpool have to pull a result in this game. You know, um, Klopp has to pull this team together and start firing because because Everton are going to come in strong. They know this is going to be a very tough game. This is going to be one of the most competitive Merseyside games in a while. So I'm very excited to see what Everton can do, but I think Liverpool are expected to pull through. If you had to give a score prediction, what would you give, Luca? 2-1 Liverpool. Adam? 2-2. Okay. Maybe 3-2 Liverpool. Maybe a high-scoring affair. All right, that wraps up Prem coverage for this week, um, sort of. 
transfer deadline day was was this past week. Um, a lot of a lot of things kind of happened. At least um, a lot of loans here and there. Gareth Barrel was a massive one. Theo Walcott going back back to Southampton. Uh, Tomas coming into Arsenal on that day. Um, what what is your best transfer of the window? Um, whether it be what we've seen so far or what you think said transfer will produce, Adam. Okay, so this probably doesn't count. Dortmund keeping Sancho, first and foremost. But going to the Prem, it's got to be between Havertz to Chelsea. They took full advantage of the fact that they had no competition this window, which United couldn't do with Sancho and Dortmund negotiations. And James, just because, I mean, especially on a free, getting the exact player Carlo needed, and look what it's already done to the team. So, complete answer, James. Luca, is is there a a bigger name you think than Bale coming back to Spurs in in this summer window? For Spurs, no, but I like the players that they brought in, Matt Doherty. Now they just signed Carlos Vinicius, who was one of the top goal scorers in Portugal last season, the Brazilian. He's young, he's exciting, and I think those are the type of players that Tottenham needed. As far as the rest of the Prem, I think that Hamas is still the best transfer, the best bargain, especially. Thanks, Buck. And But I'm also going to say I like Ben Chilwell for Chelsea. I think that is a player that Chelsea needed, and I think they got him for a very expensive price, but I think he'll turn out to be massive for the club. Um, Timo Werner's been struggling a little bit more than I think we expected. Is that do you expect him to be a flop? Do you think there's even a chance he'll be a flop, Luca? Um, I I don't think there's going to be a chance. I think he's going to start scoring. It's taken it a little bit of time, but I guess that's normal for any player, especially coming from Germany. He's more than talented and more than physically gifted to play in the Premier League. So I I just expect him to adjust the way Premier League players defend and the physicality there. And other than that, I think he'll get a roll on. Okay. Uh, Champions League draw also is this week. A uh, lot, of, lot of good matchups in the, in, the, in the group stages. Inter and Madrid in the same group. Um, Atletico Madrid and, and Bayern Munich in the same group. Man City, once again, gets a bunch of farmers teams. Um, <laughs> same with Chelsea, though, for being completely honest. Um, Barcelona, Juve in the group stages. We get to see Messi, Ronaldo in the group stages for the first time ever. But I want to hear from you guys, what, what is your group of death this year in the Champions League? Well, Adam first. All right. So I guess compared to other years, there isn't one. Just the way the draw shaped up. I think the only draw that could have been a group of death would have been if Madrid and Inter got a good team. But they got Shakhtar out of the second pot, which could have been anyone between like either the Manchester clubs, Dortmund. But it'd probably have to be United's group. They have, I think PSG tops it easily. And it should be United in second, clearly. But if Leipzig can give them some issues, that could that would be mine, Group H. Luca. I agree. I think that this year's Champions League, there's no really more than two teams like giving a good go at yeah go at each other. But I do believe that Man United, Paris, and Leipzig have the toughest matchup between the three of them. Other than that, um, Dortmund and Lazio might be a, a game to watch out for, and Atalanta, Liverpool. I think never disappoint. Uh, so I'd, I'd agree with you. If I had to pick one, I'd go with Group H. And I think um, I don't even want to try the Turkish team's name because I'm going to mess it up. Um, but they're a little little dark horse. They can mess some things up in that group. And also, honestly, I think right up there with them is Group D. Ajax, Atalanta, Liverpool. 
I think I always look for a group of depth. I always look for three strong teams. I think those are three strong teams that could legitimately get through um, to the next round. I, I feel very bad for um, – here, I'll try this one. Mitchellon, I think that's – I think that's close because I, I don't think they'll win a single game in that group. But I, I'm really excited to watch Messi and Ronaldo go at it twice in the group stage, and I, I just can't wait for that one. Um, Dortmund, I think, has to go through that. I mean, that's a perfect segue for this because now to kind of wrap up tonight's episode, we'll, we'll give you a little soapbox to hop on your, your Dortmund soapbox. Anything you want to vent, you want to ask us questions, you want to scream, whatever you want to do, the floor is yours. So I want to double down on Dortmund winning the league. Bayern is tired. They're shaky. They're not with it. Uh, they're I'm not gonna say maybe, maybe we'll call it a hot take it. segment instead instead of soapbox segment. <laughs> You're a clown, dude. Nah, look, Bayern got blown out by Hoffenheim four one, and then I don't want to say they got lucky because it was a penalty, but then it took a last minute penalty to get past Erda Berlin, and I don't th- think of it. Bayern kind of for all of the end of 1920 season was if they have a lead, they're going to hold on. They could win 1-0 or they could push it to 5. That's back-to-back games. Bayern had a 2-0 lead and let it slip. And then if not for a mix of Neuer and Lewandowski carrying the team, they could have lost either of those games. So I think they're shaky. Sané's out for a while. And I think the understated thing about Bayern is they don't have depth. And if they, even like the positions they have a replacement in, it's just a huge knock. It's a huge drop off from the starter. Looking at your face, I think we're about to disagree on how we feel about some of these players, but I'll just start. Okay, if Levy goes down, there's no one to replace him. That's first. Okay, and foremost. you have to understand that is the best starting eleven in the world. Of course, there's going to be a, a a drop off once you go to the backups. And I would disagree on the depth part too. But sorry, the floor is yours, not mine. No, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I agree. It is the best starting eleven in the world, but like. Dortmund has a better bench than Bayern, not even relative to them re- re- replacing on the lineup. Like, look, I'm, I don't care what happened in the Champions League final. I'm not big on Kingsley Coleman at all. I don't – Douglas Costa getting him back on loan. We talked about it last – on the first podcast of the show. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he'll be much of an impact player. Going through the midfield, they just play the same midfield every game. So it's, it's just odd for the, when the random sub has to come in and play. Like, Talisa won't look up the pace as, like, Goretzka when he has to fill in. And if Kimmich has to go right back, they lost Thiago. So, Javi Martinez is a little past his due date. They played that high line. So, if Davies, if Davies isn't playing left back, there's their ultimate sweeper solution to that. If Boateng and Zula are playing together, there's a lot of – you can easily expose that duo with pace. And Alaba, I think, recently has been – I don't want to keep saying exposed. But Alaba's been shown to have some flaws as a center back, and he's been shown to be a weak link at times. I think you look at that. There's a Champions League final where he passes straight to Mbappe. There's the UEFA Super Cup where his mistake kind of led to Sevilla's breakaway that could have won the game, but again, Neuer saved them. And you can, you can get at this Bayern team. You can get behind them, and if someone's out, they just don't look prepared to fill in. Okay. Whatever you say. <laughs> Hey, I could Luka. be real wrong in like three weeks when Byron played Byron played Dortmund in like a month, but who knows? And I'm suddenly they're and suddenly they're ten points clear at the top of the table. <laughs> um, Luke, your Spurs are doing well recently into the Europa League after all that qualifying. Um, it was you know weeks with three games and four games a week. Um, what where where are you at with 
Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur, man, they are right where they need to be, and they are in a transition. Remember, they had a they have a good transfer window, and and they really they look ready to play. And with the games that they have coming up, I believe they play West Ham next. I believe Jose is gonna urge a team win in that. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna steamroll through. Um, let's just see what happens when Bale starts getting into the side. You know, I'm really excited. This is a team that, you know, hasn't gotten any injuries yet, knock on wood, but they look exciting and I'm excited to see the way that Jose is gonna start lining up his best eleven because we haven't seen Jose really in the past year expresses what he believes is his best eleven. They signed an injured Bale. It's hard to say they haven't had any injuries yet. Yeah. But I get what well, you Yeah. There we go. Um, what do you think a realistic expectation is for them in the Europa League? Europa League, I think um, it, it really depends on how much trouble they're having in the Premier League. But I think Jose is definitely going to aim to win, especially to secure a Champions League spot. I think it's crucial. But at the same time, there are some good teams in this year's Europa League who are going to be up there. If you were in Mourinho's shoes, what would be priority number one, Premier League or Europa League? I think you want to go with the Europa League. I think you want to secure a trophy is number one for this club. This is what Mourinho does. He secures the trophy. And not only that, it's going to also secure in the Champions League spot in case we have, we have a downfall in the in case there's a downfall in the Premier League. Okay. All righty. One last shout out before we end, Mesut Ozil, for as, as as little as he's doing on the pitch these days. What a man! Gunner, saving Gunnar Soros, maybe the the deal of deadline day is him getting that done. So shout out Mesut Ozil. Unfortunately, I thought he's still not, snatched him out. Yeah, unfortunately, he's he's still not in the the side to for their Europa League or whatever it is soon coming up. Uh, hey, and with that, they sacrificed it for Thomas Partey. So hey. Maybe Look worth it, it, maybe not. No one's no one's gonna grow up with memories of Thomas Partey, but they will have Gunnar Soros. That's all right. I gotta say on that. <laughs> and with that, that, that ends this episode of DeMartin Download. Thanks for tuning in with us. And we'll hope you tune in once again the next time we're back. And we've hoped that you found this episode to be, in the great words of Ray Hudson, magisterial. Join us next time.